Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you about the U.S. Detention Center at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Now, you may already know that Guantanamo Bay is where the United States keeps people it suspects of being terrorists. The Obama administration sought to close Guantanamo Bay. It failed over eight years. Donald Trump now says that he wants to beef up Guantanamo Bay, the number of people held there, the quote-unquote bad dudes uh, who need to be incarcerated there. It's become a bit of an embarrassment worldwide. Uh, Guantanamo Bay is often mentioned by people who are opposed to U.S. policy and U.S. practices in the war on terror. I want to say quickly that I have called for the closure of Guantanamo Bay, and I've also been an outspoken critic of torture as a U.S. policy. You can read those articles in USA Today. But I saw something Sunday night that really moved me. I want to tell you about it and then talk a bit more about Guantanamo Bay. On Sunday night, I got back from a trip to London and watched uh, 60 Minutes as I was sort of recuperating and saw on 60 Minutes an article, I'm sorry, a, a story about Muhammadu Slahi. Now, Muhammadu Slahi, you may even know his name, uh, is a Mauritanian man who was held at Guantanamo Bay for 14 years. He's fairly well known because he's written a book called Guantanamo Diary. That's become a bestseller. It's been translated into about 50 languages. Um, it was reviewed very, very potently, powerfully, effectively uh, by the New York Times a book review um, or review of books. I, I think it's a book I've not read, but I'm going to get it and read it immediately after I finish what I'm reading now. But Slahi's story is very moving. He was a man uh, who got involved as a soldier in the battle against Russia, the communists coming into Afghanistan. Uh, he ended up serving under U.S. direction with a man called Osama bin Laden, who at that time was a, a U.S. ally. Uh, he returned after being involved in that military action to his home in Mauritania, uh, finished his degree in electrical engineering, uh, and then lived his life. But he got caught up after 9-11 uh, in something that should never have implicated him. His cousin was a religious advisor to Osama bin Laden. And there was a day on which his cousin called him on Osama bin Laden's satellite phone. Now, Slahi, Muhammadu Slahi, did not know that he was being called on Osama bin Laden's satellite phone. Uh, he says if he had, he would have burned his cousin's house down. <laughs> and what the reason this is important is, of course, the CIA was monitoring that phone. So here is a call from Osama bin Laden's satellite phone to Muhammadu Slahi. Uh, after 9-11, um, the Mauritanian secret police were happy to work with the CIA to capture Mohamedou Slahi. He was arrested. He was turned over to the CIA. Uh, the CIA took him to a black site in Jordan and then took him to a black site in Kabul in Afghanistan and eventually took him to Guantanamo Bay. Um, it's, a, it's a sad and interesting story. It was two segments on 60 Minutes. I strongly urge that you watch it. Uh, it was exceptional reporting, uh, even for 60 Minutes. And I, th I think that you're going to see the problems that ensue from our policies involving not only Guantanamo Bay, but involving torture. 
Um, he was Mr. Slahi was uh, held in what he called uh, the fridge, very small, very cold cell. Uh, he was beaten. Uh, he was threatened. He was uh, told that his mother would be put uh, in with prisoners, uh, with male prisoners, and you'd have to know a little bit about Islam to know how offensive that is. I mean, it's offensive for anyone, but uh, for an Islamic man in particular, this is highly offensive. Um, he, as I say, was held there for 14 years, and here uh, is an example of some of the tortures that he endured. Uh, he was taken out on a boat and had salt water, seawater, poured down his throat. Now, those of you who know a little bit about this know that you can die uh, from drinking salt water. Uh, that was then stopped, and then his prisoner uniform was packed with ice. So he was completely packed all over his body with ice. Uh, after this and other beatings, uh, he finally was broken. He says as much. He said, they just broke me. And he confessed to anything that they asked him to confess to. None of it was true, uh, but he confessed to anything they asked. He was uh, then treated better. Uh, the beating stopped. The tortures stopped. The waterboarding stopped. Uh, and he became a model prisoner. Now, all the information he gave U.S. authorities was untrue. He admits as much now. He was simply willing to do anything to get the, the torture to stop. He taught himself English while at Guantanamo Bay. He befriended many of the guards. He watched American movies, and he wrote a book called Guantanamo Bay, Guantanamo Diary. And uh, I'll tell you, you're going to find him humorous. You're going to find him engaging. Uh, you're going to find him wise in this interview. But I think what he points out is how ridiculous Guantanamo Bay has become. It, it really is a, a sad episode in American history. Uh, Guantanamo has held as many as eight, uh, up to just almost 800 uh, prisoners in its history since 2002. Only 41 remain. The youngest has been 13. The oldest has been 89. There have been 21 children at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, the U.S. has now outlawed enhanced interrogation of the kind Slahi endured. Uh, but the fact is that uh, just the reputation of what we've already done has been pretty horrid. For example, Slahi was interviewed around the clock for 70 days. There was a two-hour break between two of the shifts. There were three shifts a day that interrogated him. There was a two-hour break between two of the shifts, and that's the only time he got to sleep. So over 70 days, he was shaking. He was emotionally unstable. He couldn't remember even basic facts about his own life. Um, but he, he gave them the best that he could give them, uh, the best that he could give his interrogators, because he simply wanted to be left alone. Now, what you need to know about the prisoners at Guantanamo Bay is that most of them have not been captured by the U.S. 86% of them have been captured in response to a bounty program the CIA maintains. So foreign countries will turn over prisoners that they say are suspects in, the global, in, in global terrorism, but in fact, there's a huge bounty paid, and so they may just be doing it for the money. They may be doing it to get rid of political opponents. Uh, all of these accusations have been made, but 86% of those who have been imprisoned at Guantanamo Bay have been imprisoned um, as a result of, of a bounty program. 
And that brings the whole thing into, into great suspicion. Uh, that costs us $91 million a year to main Guantanamo Bay, maintain Guantanamo Bay. And I have to tell you that even if I was a proponent of torture, I would be in favor of closing Guantanamo Bay just as a symbolic factor, uh, just for the public relations uh, re- implications and benefits that would come. We're only holding 41 people there, and yet all over the world, Guantanamo Bay is known. It's known as a torture center. It's a symbol of America's uh, commitment to torture people and, uh, and mistreat people and violate its own principles. You know, one of the principles in our Constitution is found in the Fifth Amendment. And the Fifth Amendment uh, to the Bill of Rights, uh, or to the Constitution found in the Fifth Amendment of the Bill of Rights, uh, says that a person cannot be compelled to be a witness against themselves in a court of law. This was specifically put in place by our founding fathers to prevent torture. If I can't testify against myself, if I can't be a witness against myself, then the authorities can't torture me to get me to testify against myself. It, it, that, that, that testimony won't be allowed in court. So it's a prohibition on torture. It's the whole idea, uh, many of us remember from our study of history, American history and British history, uh, that, that there was torture used uh, against colonists and that the torture was a common form of punishment uh, in, in England uh, in the 1700s and earlier. And so our founding fathers wanted to stop that history. They didn't want to bring that into American law. And so they put in place one of the provisions of the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, that I cannot be compelled to be a witness against myself. This prevents any benefit to me being tortured. Now, this is one of the fundamental principles of America. It's one of the fundamental principles of American law. And I want to say, too, that that though that's certainly clear in American law, speaking as a Christian, I also want to say that torture is should is, is not allowed in the Christian faith. I know it's been practiced. Uh, I know there have been violations, but you know, in in Scripture. Uh, a man is even prevented from having a tattoo or cutting himself in grief or uh, other such practices because he's made in the image of God. The human body, a human being, is supposed to be dealt with as though it's made in the image of God. And so self-destruction, suicide, cutting, even tattoos at one point in the, in the history of the, uh, of the Old Testament people, the, the Jewish people described in the Old Testament, were forbidden because it was um, a defacing of the body as made in the image of God. Well, if, if you can't even have tattoos, and there's a certain historical context to that, so don't think that I'm opposed or Scripture is opposed to tattoos in general, um, then, then certainly uh, you shouldn't be allowed to torture someone uh, and, to do, and to damage them, deform them, cut them, beat them, freeze them to death, etc., if they are made in the image of God. So from my perspective, both American principles and my Christian faith forbid torture uh, and forbid the kind of abuse that's going on at Guantanamo Bay. I think you'll find Mohamedou Slahi's story fascinating. I think you'll find him a compelling personality. He's humorous. He's interesting. But what we need to know is that this man, who by all accounts, by his interrogators' accounts, by his uh, guards' accounts, um, and by the court's accounts now, is an innocent man, spent 14 years in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, much of it being tortured by U.S. officials and by U.S. interrogation teams, and it ought to stop. I want to say again, 
I'm not opposed to killing the bad guys. I think ISIS should be wiped out and wiped out now. And I'm glad that Donald Trump is calling together uh, a meeting of the, of, the, of the partner nations to finally destroy ISIS. I believe in those kinds of things. My politics are right of center. Don't dismiss me uh, as someone who is just, you know, blame America first and weak on our enemies. Not at all. But torture produces bad intel. Torture causes a man to do exactly what Muhammad Uslahi did, and that is just simply break and give the torturers, the interrogators, anything they want for the torture to stop. We've got very little good intel from such practices, and even if we did get good intel from such practices, they are un-American, they are unchristian, and they are immoral. They are damaging us around the world, and it's time for it all to stop. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.